Welcome to the Kyiv Post podcast, where you can tune into stories that give you a deeper understanding of Ukraine. I'm your host, Alina Kent. I'm a multimedia producer and lifestyle journalist here at the Kyiv Post. As a lifestyle journalist, I've seen plenty of diverse, unique cultural aspects of Ukraine and its people. But one in particular that has been rising at an incredible pace the last few years has been Ukraine's electronic music scene. Electronic music was born in Detroit, Michigan, alongside punk rock back in the mid-80s. But since then, most would associate techno with Europe, specifically Berlin, Germany, which is home to arguably the most well-known and exclusive techno club in the world, Berkheim. But Kyiv's electronic scene has been rising to the top, with many referring to the city as the New Berlin. Many say the rise of the electronic music scene in Kyiv was made possible by the Euromaidan revolution. So I think youth was in need of spaces, places, events to recharge and to get distracted from the reality all this time since Ukraine became independent. But the thing is that the Euromaidan revolution, it gave this spark to everything Ukrainian, to everything local, to basically every sphere to, some people say, revive. But for many fields, many spheres, that would actually be birth because we never had some of the industries really functioning, you know, full-fledged. That was Tome Stomina, our lifestyle editor here at the Kyiv Post. As avid fans of the techno scene in Ukraine, she and I sat down to paint the picture of Kyiv's electronic scene. Any crisis starts conversations, starts discussions. And for Ukraine, the Euromaidan revolution, it wasn't a matter of financially unhappy people or you know anything like that. It was the matter of Ukrainians trying to identify who they are, where they want to be in the future, how they want to get there. And, you know, and then this revolution just started this, all these discussions and uh, obviously who reflect on what's happening in the society a lot, artists, the creative community. It was really, I think, a crucial moment uh, and it started many discussions. We looked at ourselves, you know, and we started creating more and that's what it resulted in. And part of that result was the electronic music scene, I think. We looked at the West and how they do it and they've had it for, you know, so many years and uh, the pioneers of techno scene, but uh, I think Ukrainians realize that, you know, we have something to add too. you know, there's something that we can do maybe better or just differently. Kyiv's electronic music scene is relatively young, and with that comes space for experimentation. There isn't any set standard or formula for how a party should go, so there's a mix of all sorts of formats. Everyone is very creative and experimenting a lot, and uh, like in some European capitals, uh, like Berlin, people are very open to any kind of music and any kind of styles and sounds. And I think that's uh, what makes the scene beautiful here because DJs feel very free to experiment and to play whatever they want to and uh, see how the crowd reacts, but at the same time feel safe enough to not be judged just because I don't play something maybe conventional, what people are used to listen to. The audience here is actually, we're not spoiled, you know, we're just not spoiled because we haven't had much of that music here just yet. And I think we're like, we're hungry to hear more and uh, to, to hear more versatile music, you know, all kinds of styles. And yeah, so we have disco, we have funk, we have hard techno, we have house and people are very open to ambient and all kinds of sounds. 
Another reason why the electronic music scene in Kyiv is so special is the fact that it's a true space of freedom and expression. Eastern Europe is not known for welcoming the LGBTQ community, but there has been some progress. Every year, more people attend Kyiv Pride and participate in dialogue and acceptance, but there is still a long way to go. These underground raves are some of the only places where queer people can fully express themselves without worry. It's not just a one-time-a-year event that has you out in the open for about 30 minutes before having to cover up everything to get on the metro in order to avoid getting beaten like in years prior. I have gay friends in Kyiv and I know what the scene means to them regarding feeling safe and free and being able to dress creatively and it's not just you know some uh, abstract people abstract community that you talk about the real people who uh, really need those places to feel safe because they can just uh, afford right now unfortunately to hold somebody you know by their hand on the street and feel safe because it can be attacked any moment uh, not that it's that dangerous but you know you never know who you can come across on the street one of Kyiv's most popular techno clubs which remains unnamed and sits on Kirillovska Street, located in Padel, referred to as Kirillovska, rumored to be founded and designed by those responsible for Burkhain, is a safe space for the LGBTQ community, stating it's a gender-free space with no discrimination or hate. People's cameras are covered with stickers in order to prevent photos or videos being leaked and accidentally outing somebody. Kirillovska isn't the only popular space for these underground raves in Padil. The neighborhood is especially popular when it comes to techno parties. Many abandoned industrial buildings are the perfect spot for such parties to happen, and the buildings are transformed into creative hubs. Kirillovska used to be a former beer factory. Closer, one of the first clubs to open in Padil for electronic music, is located within an old ribbon factory, with several other clubs such as Hotel and 2C1B and a radio station on the property. That's part of the reason, but also because Padil is like traditionally a very creative district with this cool offbeat businesses like bars, galleries, uh, hotels. And it, it only made sense that the most creative communities, the most creative people, you know, started uh, something so experimental and usual and uh, they did it in their own district, <laughs> you know. So I think that's the connection. Padil, one of the oldest areas of Kiev, is truly a neighborhood for Kiev's ravers, art lovers, youths, and creatives. Some Americans like to compare the vibes of the neighborhood to that of Brooklyn. It's full of bars, dance halls, concerts, clubs, and many creative ventures. You will see plenty of people with different colored hair and alternative styles walking around the neighborhood. But it has also been a neighborhood with increased policing. Police officers from other districts come to the neighborhood to make quick cash, by harassing and arresting partygoers and young people in the hopes of being bribed off. During the multiple lockdowns that Kyiv has experienced throughout this pandemic, some clubs and bars continue to operate secretly behind closed doors. If they operate without any trouble, it usually means that some sort of deal has been struck with the police. When the third lockdown ended in the beginning of May, Kyiv's entertainment businesses were finally able to open with strict guidelines. Daytime events were allowed to occur, with proper social distance measures, limited capacity, and temperature checks. Anything after 10 p.m. was not allowed. However, on May 15th, the former ribbon factory on Nizhigirska Street in Padil that has been transformed into an entertainment hub that is home to the clubs of Closer, Atel, and 2C1B, as well as other establishments, was raided by a bus full of police in full riot gear. 
That night, two concerts were scheduled for 8 p.m. in two of the hub's popular venues, Closer and Mezzanine, well before the mandatory 10 p.m. closing time demanded by the city's current safety measures to curtail the coronavirus. As seen on security footage that has been shared online, the police barge through the gates, shoving a passerby to the ground. Officers beat up several employees, conducted an unauthorized search at 2C1B where nothing was happening, and forced guests of the hub's various establishments to leave. When I spoke to Sergei Yatsenko, one of the founders and commercial director of Closer, he told me that many establishments are open at night but avoid raids because they probably have a deal with the police. We do not have that, Sergei says here. It's not the first time that the Nizhegirska location has been wrongfully raided. Police raids on the territory began in 2015. On the night of December 5th, 2020, police knocked down the doors of the Club Hotel and broke into the room where there were only two people. The two employees were humiliated and beaten. Shortly before that, police stormed the nearby Keller Bar on Kirilovska Street. Special forces broke into the club at 11.42 p.m., broke the front gate, knocked on the door, ordered everyone to lie on the ground, searched people, and beat them without a warrant. And throughout the weeks leading up to the May 15th raid, more and more people were being harassed and arrested within the streets of Padil. On May 18th, after finishing a studio rehearsal in Padil, local musician Dmitro Bukhaychuk and the drummer from the group said their goodbyes and parted ways. Before they could walk two meters, Bukhaychuk was suddenly approached by police. An officer asked Bukhaychuk to walk towards the car, and when Bukhaychuk asked what the reason was for the approach, he was struck on the head. He fell to the ground and lost consciousness. He would stay there, lying in his own blood, for about three hours. When Bukhaychuk did come to, he cried for help. People arrived and witnessed the three hours of bullying he endured from the police, pulling tighter on his handcuffs, pinning him between his shoulder blades over and over, while live-streaming the events online. Bukhaychuk's incident became a breaking point for Padil. Hundreds of people gathered the day after Bukhaychuk's incident on May 21st in front of the Padil police headquarters to protest the increased police violence and searches within the neighborhood. People gathered with various signs, listening to activists speak, and danced to techno that was played by a DJ. Red dye was mixed into the puddle, representing what happened to the musician the previous day. Cop watch Ukraine stickers surrounding it. The district's creative community, including Closer, Keller Bar, Kulivoy, and others, released a joint statement condemning the police's actions. A total of 15 businesses and organizations eventually joined in arranging the event. The organizers wanted to hold the head of the Padil district police, Pavla Vasilenko, accountable. The group claimed that Vasilenko is responsible for creating the special purpose unit called Kiev that has been violently raiding Padil recently. We, the creative communities of Padil, will not tolerate the arbitrariness of the police, their statement read. The level of trust between Ukrainians and police is very low. Probably police, the head of um, the Ministry of Internal Affairs, is the most uh, untrusted institution in Ukraine. That was Nazari Safsun, an activist from Copwatch Ukraine. Copwatch is a project that has stemmed from their original organization, Freedom March, 
a cannabis campaign to legalize medical marijuana within the country. And we were monitoring the police violence. We were in contact with the people who suffered from police violence. So we worked on this topic. We, we had hotline in, in case uh, if you were stopped by police and so on. Copwatch was only founded a month prior to the recent events in Padil. But it's clear how much organizations following police actions are needed. Their videos covering police brutality have hit over a million views. Actually, when we started Copwatch Police uh, on our Facebook, we have, I don't know, five messages per day uh, when people uh, say they have problems. And not always uh, it is in our uh, format because we need the documentation of the violence or of some of the actions. But uh, quite commonly, people don't have an opportunity, unfortunately, to even turn the camera on, so they just tell us what has happened. Many young people in Padil are stopped by the police and do not know their rights. That's something Copwatch likes to tell people to keep in mind. They have to ask why they've been stopped, and the police have to name exact reasons uh, person to be stopped, and they have to name exact uh, reasons if police wants to research a person. So person uh, must ask why, so there are only a few reasons why police can do it. Uh, but uh, for sure, uh, police are just saying that I want to research your pockets without naming the reason. So this uh, should be known for sure. And also, it should be known that you do not have to show uh, anything that is in your pocket. It's your will to, you know, to cooperate with police uh, and to show only with the court can decide if, if a person can be just totally researched for I don't know, with no reason. People should know it and also they should uh, turn on the camera if they are, I don't know, in a dark street and so on. Although uh, such events happen in, in the daytime also. When Dmitry Bukhaychuk was beaten, Sofsun also came to the scene. He counted around 10 cars and 20 officers working on the case. The bag of weed that was found on the ground contained less than a gram. Even if the courts decide that it was Bukhaychuk's substance, he would only have to pay a 10 to 15 euro fee. So let's count how much money we spend on this case and if it's reasonable. Should we pay so much money in, in time when we really have a, an economic crisis in Ukraine? If someone ends up becoming a victim of police violence, they can reach out to Copwatch Ukraine. If they have evidence of the event and violence, they can reach out to Copwatch Ukraine who will help. Safsun also encourages victims of police violence to contact the DBR, the State Bureau of Investigations, who can conduct internal affair investigations against the police. This movement to hold police accountability is growing. Police brutality isn't a new concept in Ukraine, but public recordings and outcries have become more common. I really hope that this case and this protest which appears will not just stop on this stage. I, I really like how it works. I see a lot of institutions and initiatives involved in this movement already. So from uh, different backgrounds, not only raves and music, I see a lot of artists uh, who are in these other institutions. And uh, I think that this has very good uh, political opportunity to change something uh, with the police in Ukraine. And as for Copwatch's future plans? In our plans, uh, we would like also to work internationally because we understand that this problem is not only a problem of Ukraine. It's not uh, like uh, trendy for us to use uh, such mottos like defund the police. This is actually what works uh, the same in Ukraine and in states and so, uh, or in Europe also. Uh, like uh, in Germany and France, uh, the police is racist and, and, and uh, pretty violent to protests, uh, protesters. 
and so on. So I would like it uh, to become uh, an international uh, movement, probably. It's been one year since the murder of George Floyd, which sparked the new wave of protests against police violence last summer in the United States. The Black Lives Matter and defund police movements have received international attention, with many around the world better understanding their own country's problems with police brutality. After the massive outcry and protests, a criminal case investigation has been opened on the police raid and closer. This is a great step in the right direction, because as we mentioned earlier, spaces like Closer are not just clubs for techno. El Train Music Center is much more than just music, or fighting, or nightclubbing, given all the topics we've already covered here, and what it means for the LGBTQ community, and uh, how it actually revitalizes industrial buildings, and makes a contribution to you know, the better look of Kyiv in general, architecturally wise. Something is very special is happening here, and uh, to be um, a participant, not a bystander, you know, not just stay away from something that big happening that people from Berlin are moving to Kyiv to be part of it. I would say that if it's in any way part of your interest, then you should definitely uh, join and uh, uh, witness something very special happening and something that has a huge potential to... Um, become even bigger and keep promoting Ukraine and contributing to Ukraine's image abroad. Thank you for listening to the Kyiv Post podcast. I'm your host, Alina Kent. If you are interested in reading more closely about the events at Closer and Padil, you can read our article, Padil's Creative Community Takes Aim at Police Brutality, on our website, hewpost.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms and follow along on our website. Stay safe, stay home, and subscribe to the Kiev Post. <laughs>